0: Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC.
1: Hello there. You're listening to FIA Goes PC, episode Number 94, I know, it's like the beginning of most audio tapes, he said, exclaiming as he turned the page. As always, I'm your host, Revel N, aka Daddy Hell. I really don't know what's going on here. I literally feel like I'm doing an audio tape. Sorry, folks, it's a podcast. I know. Um, yeah, lots been happening. For us, it's basically we're renovating the garage into a studio uh not our garage just a garage there's many of them in the UK we've picked one it seems to work for us I'm not sure if it's owned I don't know but it's there and we're renovating it into a studio it's going to be good for podcast purposes see what we're doing for all of you guys listening we're trying to be professional here it's very difficult it leaves an awkward smell I don't know anyway uh it's spring as you can tell uh if you're in the UK right now if you are in Europe you'll probably know that it's 3 degrees hotter than it was last week stuff like that if you're in America uh it depends where you are really seasons change but we are in spring you can tell mostly by the bunny rabbits that are bouncing around and the uh the fact that springs are in the air literally they one just hit me in the face <laughs> talking about things that bounce in spring uh our producer, say hello. Hello. Hi, Winifred.
0: I don't bounce in spring. Yeah, you know do. what you're talking. You bounce
1: about. in spring, summer, autumn, <laughs> and
0: winter. Only if I'm on a trampoline.
1: Isn't it weird how America says fall, but we say autumn?
0: Fall, yeah. Yeah. That's because the leaves fall.
1: No, it's the fall of the season, meaning it dips into cold. I thought
0: it was because the leaves fall.
1: No, it's when gravity is really powerful and everyone trips up. <laughs> That's basically what it's all about. Uh, we're in spring though, so let's not race too far ahead mm-hmm. to the fall or autumn as it is really called uh, because it's autumnal. Yeah, I'm an advocate of autumn. That's the whole thing. Yeah, double A. I don't know. What? Advocate of autumn. Yeah, don't know. Got my little, uh, got my little tribe. Mm-hmm. We uh, support the change of uh, leaves. Anyway, yeah, it's not about things falling. It's about the the plummet of temperatures. Mm. I believe. it's never mm-hmm. been. It's never really been explained mm-hmm. to me why autumn is suddenly the fall. It's probably better marketing. I'm not sure.
0: It's easier to spell.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have a silent <laughs> n.
0: Yeah, what a It's
1: weird how, you know, being British, we often cheat at Scrabble by adding different vowels. Do you? Yeah, <laughs> like through. Oh. We chuck loads of stuff in it that's silent, right? Yeah. But the USA, simplified everything. Right? So they took a lot of that stuff There's out. Just four
0: letters. Like donut, for example.
1: Donut. This is an interesting thing. When you're in America, and it's starting to assimilate into this culture, which is really disappointing, especially for Scrabble, because. Especially for Scrabble. You say donut in the USA and it's D O N U T. Yeah,
0: like a donut. A do a nut. Which in
1: Scotland would get your head butted quite a lot. <laughs> ah do not that here, eh. right? <laughs> Whereas here it's a doughnut. Because
0: it's like made a of nut dough.
1: made out of dough. I'm gonna guess it was a nut shape. <laughs> like a peanut shape? No, like a nut and bolt. Nah. now we don't do the ring ones, that's an American thing. They take a hole out. We didn't do oh, that traditionally. Yeah. You guys have little peanut donuts. ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See? Mm. See? Mm. See how you learn so much on this podcast. <laughs> the origins of donut must have been that it was a dough, nut, literally, nut made out of dough. Yeah. Mm. I think they used to feed them elephants in comics. What? I'm not sure if they did it in real life. Like circus?
0: No, peanuts.
1: No, no, donuts.
0: No, they feed Elephant's peanut.
1: Did I? Yes. Like in general? Yeah. I'm not talking about general. I'm talking about comics, which is the real world. <laughs> anyway, so we're having a really random conversation here. What we're demonstrating to all of you guys is what's transpired in the last two weeks. You've probably heard of this, but there was an interview with Prince Harry of Potter, Meghan Markle of Suit, and Oprah Winfrey of oprah winfrey stuff she did a lot of stuff like chat shows and she's been in movies she's in a color purple Mm. yeah and other things Mm. (laughs) she's a very good actress i think she won an oscar so you know oprah winfrey very talented just gonna put this out there because look um i listen to a lot of podcasts to do my work everyone knows that because i'm a professional what i do obviously um that's why i rant for hours about nonsense but one of the podcasts I like to listen to is Bill Burr, because I find him brilliant. In fact, I'd go as far as say he's probably the best comedian in America since Robin Williams. Mm. To a British person, his sensibility and humor is more our cup of tea.
0: Yeah, cynical humor.
1: Yeah, like just basically being a bully uh, <laughs> is, is way better for us. Like I mean, that's what we know. Uh, But he did his podcast recently on the topic of the Meghan and Prince Harry interview. Right. And for most of his podcast, he was doing a fake British accent. Oh. And he actually challenged people. He said, my English accent is as bad as your American accent is to us in America. So I don't think that's true. Right. Mm. Because... Christian Bale, most Americans think is American. That's how good he is at an American accent. Yeah. Robert Patterson, same. Mm. Uh, Tom Hardy, same. Mm. We've got a lot of very good American accents done by an English person. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> but America's got, you know, some good actors that can do English accents. Julian Anderson nailed Margaret Thatcher. Mm. Uh, Meryl Streep also. Did the Iron Lady?
0: Yes. Yeah?
1: Which was, you know, a lady that just irons. No. Yeah.
0: No. Yeah. No.
1: She's also a polit- politician. I can't even say the word. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> bored of it. She's, 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 she's a pelican. Po- politician. She crosses roads. I don't know. Pelican crossing. Why is it a pelican crossing? I
0: don't know. I've never
1: seen a pelican cross a road. They're usually by lakes. I've
0: never heard of it. <laughs> you I mean not. Pelican crossing. Yeah. We used to
1: have lollipop ladies too. Mm. We called them that. They were actually just traffic warden kind of.
0: Yeah, because they held a sign with the goer. They weren't a traffic warden.
1: What? They weren't a traffic warden. They didn't give tickets to cars. No. They, they held kids cross the road. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. That's, that's now automated by traffic lights. Welcome to the future, man. We've all been taken over by robots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back to the Meghan and Prince Harry conversation, hmm. uh, Prince Harry Potter, we all know him, uh, the Duke of um, somewhere near London, Sussex.
0: Sussex, I think.
1: Yeah. Is it the Duke and Duchess of Sussex? <laughs> that explains a lot because the accent that I'm hearing most Americans do now is kind of like sussex essex so kind of south of the Thames. Okay. You know? Hmm. And that's the accent they think. All right, governor, you're right. Go out, turn crumpets. They speak like that. That's what the Americans think. In 2021, British people sound like.
0: Isn't that the accent that Audrey Hepburn does in My Fair Lady?
1: If I had even watched that. Maybe I could answer you.
0: It's based on the play Pygmalion. I
1: think she's trying to go for an East End accent like yeah. Cockney. Yeah, yeah. Which is definitely not the accent that you're hearing in Mary Poppins by uh, Dick Van Dyke.
0: No.
1: Chim Chim cheroo. Yeah. Which I've studied the Oxford Dictionary. It's not in it. <laughs> no one knows what that is. <laughs> that's a complete fabrication. Uh, I guess that's how the Americans interpret Cockney rhyming slang.
0: Or chim a chim version Chirou. of like sounds curio? more Australian,
1: doesn't it? Sounds like an Australian chimney cleaner company. Got a chim chim charu, mate. <laughs> right? <laughs> it doesn't sound English. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, I don't know how many chimneys are in Australia. None. That's a, that's the a whole that's thing. Too- See, you got to be interactive with podcasts. <laughs> Look it up on Google, folks. How many chimneys in Australia?
0: How many Australian chimney sweepers do
1: you know Probably <laughs> not a lot. Let's be honest. Especially in the Outback, because it's a fire hazard.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Not a lot of steakhouses in the Outback. Oh! I'm just saying. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's an American joke right there. Uh, outback steakhouse. One. So, Bill Burr was doing his weird Essex accent, uh, which apparently Prince Harry sounds like. Prince Harry has the royal accent, which is when you take all the soul out of every regional accent and it's pretty much just pure English.
0: It's called RP. Is it? Yeah. I always thought it was royal pronunciation, but it's actually a received pronunciation.
1: They have to have... I think the Queen had... Or I remember reading or hearing a talk on a documentary about the fact that she had to learn that at Eton.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's proper...
1: But no one speaks like it in England, (laughs) except for the monarchy. Isn't that... Don't you think it's a cruelty that Britain plays the royal family? Like, we're basically just giving them this impression of the rest of the nation and it's completely wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no regional accents. Everyone speaks just like you, man. Mm. So when she meets a Geordie for the first time, they just say that they're from Germany or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you know, they're from Newcastle, which is near Berlin. Man, oh, British
0: actually. accents across this country vary so much.
1: It's like, it's one of the most amazing things about this nation being so, so small. Mm. Yeah, you go like, I don't know, 20 miles out of the city and you've got a different accent.
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, it's, I I, I was, because I had this conversation again with Americans, a lot of East Coast minds, uh, more than West Coast, are so European in census, so they kind of get it. Yeah. But they still think they've got more accents than we have. And I'm like, you've got like 50 states.
0: They have a lot of accents, but they're not that different.
1: Well, it's also the case that as America moves forwards, the accents weaken. Mm. Like, for example, there's a southern accent mm-hmm. that kind of, if you're listening to it, just sounds like this link from all the southern states. You can hear differences. Yeah. But it is like one kind of... Curve. ...family of accents, yeah. right? Uh, and then you get the weird ones that are kind of near Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then you get, like, Delaware's got a really weird one, yeah. actually. And I always thought Delaware made stuff that you put in the fridge. Delaware? Yeah. Like, like Ziploc. Wear. Yeah. <gasps> Delaware. What? I don't know. It's a really good clothing brand, if you call called Della. Uh, Delaware what?
0: Delaware's what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, uh. Uh, yeah, so... Accents in America, there are a lot. But considering how big the nation is, it's not that... It's not like in Texas, from town to town, it's vastly different accents. It's mm-hmm. like a Texan accent. Yeah. Usually unifies by an incredibly massive state, right? Whereas in the UK, I mean, it's cr- you can go to any city here. If you've got people moving in from Lancashire or Yorkshire mm-hmm. or... I know Liverpool to Birmingham. It's like you're listening to the United Nations talking it's Mm. very, very different culturally as well. The language changes.
0: Yeah, the the terms and the colloquialism. Well meanings to words
1: completely change. Right? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very strange stuff, man.
0: I did talk to a Brummy on the phone today because of our renovation stuff, and there was a moment where I didn't understand him.
1: Well, if, if any oh. American out there has seen the Peaky Blinders, yeah. interestingly, uh, there's no one really from Birmingham left alive in that series. I'm pretty sure they shot them all in the first episode. <laughs> the uh, main guy is played by an Irish guy,
0: Cillian uh, Murphy.
1: Killian Murphy, who? Killian. Killian, yeah. Cillian? nah, Killian.
0: What?
1: You see, you're not Celtic.
0: But it's a C. No,
1: this C I doesn't work in Celtic. It's Killian. <laughs> His name's Killian Murphy. So it's
0: Celts.
1: It's the Celts. Celtic. It's it's a, it's
0: a Celtic
1: name. Not the Celt. No, Celtic. You. You're so American, dude. Like <laughs> oh Boston Celtic. <laughs> it's Celt. Celt. Okay. The tribe the C is called is a Celt. Hard K. Man. <laughs> See, what, what, what we're learning from our uh, esteemed producer right now is that she's ignorant as hell. Um, basically, counts Celtic. Yeah. Okay. So Kelly Murphy is from Ireland playing a Brummy. His accent's pretty good, but it's kind of soft. It feels to me a lot like when I grew up, um, you're kind of in a village what, 15 miles away from Birmingham? And yet the accent's still a regional accent. So people from Birmingham moved to that village, but because they're posher, essentially, because they moved out of the city into the countryside, mm. which is the only country in the world that makes sense, because usually in America, you go from the city into the countryside, you're a redneck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Or a hillbilly or something. Here, it's upper class. You're pride and prejudice. You <laughs> live in a manor, right? Even if it's a shed you're still richer than people who live in a shed in the city. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this. The point is, um, it's soft. It's almost like removed. It's kind of my accent, I suppose, because I have a bit more rummy twang now than I've had for many years because I've been back here and it assimilates into my brain. Mm -hmm. Um, He sounds kind of like detached Birmingham. But then there's another guy in it who's very much a London-based actor who plays his old brother in it, Arthur. And he goes from Cockney to Brummy, which is a very strange hybrid accent. Mm. So sometimes it's like Vinnie Jones that suddenly ends up like Ozzy Osborne at the end of it. It's very weird. <laughs> and if you're in America, I apologize. You probably don't know what I'm talking about. Vinnie Jones, who... Lockstock, you've seen him in loads of stuff. He's doing a lot of B-movie horror stuff now, unfortunately. Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels. he was in Gone in 60 Seconds. Mm. Got a harsh London accent, yeah. which is kind of Guy Ritchie's staple in early Guy Ritchie films. On top of that, Ozzy Osborne, you all know, none of you can understand, but for me, he sounds like my granddad, so I totally understand him. Right? That's <laughs> Brummy accent, yeah. like 100%. Yeah. So, weirdly, like they didn't really cast a lot of Brummies in it. Which is a missed opportunity. Mm. But it kind of, the Irish link works to Killian Murphy's character because he's got the Romany gypsy thing in the fiction. I don't know why I'm going peaky blinders <laughs> with this. But the accent's there. Yeah. So if you're ever watching, I don't know, some kind of loopy, brummy accent, that's what it is. Ozzy Osborne's your best bet in America if you want to know what our regional accent is mm. at its apex. It's Ozzy Osborne. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's it, like the Beatles were soft, the Liverpudlian accent, yeah. very soft. You can't really tell. And it's so funny because I remember back in the 70s when you listen to a lot of American comedians back then trying to do English accents, that was the accent sound like the Beatles all by Joel, like Yellow Submarine. And it was this weird accent right, that they did right, that right. was all like all British. I don't know why when you're all that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> telling totally you all, all that guilty um, I don't know why it was fixated on that, but that was there the the biggest thing in the u k was the beatles yeah. so obviously we all speak like the Beatles, yeah. you know, and what's been interesting to me is Prince Harry is now the forefront of Britain in America, mm-hmm. controversial or not for speaking out about you know the monarchy and stuff like this um so everyone's clinging to that's the 2021 accent. Mm. And yet he doesn't sound like he's from Essex. And they all sound like, you know, when Bill Burr does his impression, I've seen Chris Pratt doing his accent. Because um, I, think, I think what happened was there was an acting coach that did work with Americans doing like four weddings and a funeral or something like this, mm. where there was a lot of British. Bridget Jones yeah. is the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Renee Zalwiger. Yeah. She's Texan, right? Yeah. So she's from Texas. Had to be an impeccable British accent, mm-hmm. which is like her accent, in that's kind of neutral posh upper class London. Yeah. Which I don't think exists, by the way. <laughs> in England, I don't think that accent exists, but it's a perfect accent. Mm. Gwyneth Paltrow followed the same coach yeah. for sliding doors, and all of these accents that were developed... I think they could hear in the British accent, we we lose letters when we speak. Yeah. You know, like ours. Like the ours, We have a yeah. problem with that. <laughs> and T's at the end of stuff. hmm And with quite a lot instead of with, you know. <laughs> like, oh, I went with my friends. You're right. So a lot of this is happening in the way they're coached. Mm. Because obviously before that, it was Dick Van Dyke, Chim Chim Charoo, which again... Where does that come from? So it's a weird, like the whole thing is a really weird cultural experience for me because I've lived in America, I've lived in California, especially for a long time, and I get the California perspective. So I fully understand why Megan's talking to Oprah as if she's a mom and whistleblowing on the government. Like to me, it came off like. Here's a very pregnant lady who's in a, in a young marriage with a guy she t- completely adores, right? And she has no real way to express to anyone of her friends what life is like for her. Oprah is, in America, everyone's mother. She's quite a lot in a weird way, like our queen mm. in the UK, because Oprah was big part of her lives growing up. Yeah. If you're a woman of colour, especially in the USA, especially uh, in your sort of mid to late 30s or whatever, you grew up with Oprah. She was always on TV. Mm-hmm. I can see the need to be able to talk to someone who understands celebrity life and stuff like this, but it felt a lot like I've been kidnapped, living in a museum for two, three years, been in total isolation, now I've broken out and I want to tell someone I can relate to who's a mother... What I went through, you know, like imagine folks. Agony aunt. It, it, to normal people, it's almost like you go on a camp. Yeah. And it sucks. Like, really sucks. The weather's bad. It was great at the start. It was an adventure at the start, right? But then the weather got rubbish. Your friend trips over, breaks their arm. Everything's <laughs> a goddamn nightmare. You don't know where the cops are. Like, how do I help my friend with a broken arm? I can see his bone sticking out. It's horrible, mm. uh, and it's all rain. It's dreary, and you wanted what you wanted was this pristine, you know, adventure weekend, yeah. right? But what you got was sludge, horrible grime, and someone with a bone sticking out of their arm, <laughs> right? And that experience is sort of like what she went through. Mm. I feel like she had all this kind of romance that it was going to be Downton Abbey, and it was going to be like living in, uh, I don't know. Pages of, uh, what, King Arthur or something like this. Mm. And then what it turns into is a very real, you're kind of in isolation, stuck in a palace. Royal lockdown. Everyone does everything (laughs) for you, which sounds amazing, but would really get old very, very fast, I think, to a lot of people. And bear in mind, Meghan Markle has spent all of her life in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And as you know, that's a cultural vortex. You know, because most people, and I'm just, there's a lot of people who've never been to Hollywood or lived it. So I'm just going to give you a glimmer of what it's like. Most people associate China as Chinatown, Russia as Little Latvia, uh, if that exists. Like, i not remember if it does or not. Um, mm. But your experience of the world is Hollywood, mm. which is super wrong. It's a bubble. I mean, they used, okay, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, the mm. Marvel series. They used LA's Chinatown to pass as a street in Hong Kong. Yeah. <laughs> and I can get, and they superimposed the iconic Skyline of Hong Kong behind it. And I can tell you, every single Hong Konger in existence is watching that going, Yeah, that's not right. <laughs> like, nothing we've ever seen looks like this. And that's the point. Hollywood mm. gives you an interpretation that's usually super, super incorrect. I mean, San Diego has this entire setup like it's Zorro, when they used to film the 1950s Zorro films there and stuff, right. the old black and whites, and they're representing this place as Mexico, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It ain't nothing like it, yeah. you know? So I think when you have this, this fantasy interpretation... like
0: Cultural misinterpretation. One yes.
1: thing I'll tell you that's really nuts, and it's important I'm saying this, when I was 11, we went to Florida. We went to Orlando as a family. And one thing that stays in my mind for all the wrong reasons was medieval times, mm. which was this, you have this banquet meal, okay, whilst you're watching a jousting competition. Okay. At night, and you're basically in what I can only call an interpretation of Camelot. Mm-hmm. Where knights are fully clad in nightwear, they got the, the uh,
0: like pajamas, nightwear.
1: No, like, like um, <laughs> no nightwear at night. <laughs> nightwear. So it's all it's all armor, but it's painted black with <laughs> moons on it and stars and LED <laughs> glowy things. Anyway, they're jousting, <laughs> yeah, or they have like the. It's basically like Monty Python stuff, right? Mm. You know, like ludicrous. And yet you're in this banquet thing and you've got a bunch of stuff that's basically American food that no one in England ever ate. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that has a bad thing, it's just badly placed. Okay. We don't eat like this. It's very strange. And so as a British person, you're literally the other side of the planet watching something that is so wrong historically that it's almost hilarious. Mm-hmm. In a castle... That you actually go in made out of fiberglass, <laughs> like Disney castles, right. right? This isn't a castle. <laughs> so one in Europe, it doesn't look like a castle, right? So you got to understand in context, two months before I went on that Florida trip, mm-hmm. I was at a Cub Scout uh, event when I was in the Cub Scouts at Warwick Castle. Yeah which is an actual castle in yep. Warwickshire here, which we've taken our buddies from California yeah. to. And there it was archery classing classes Sorry, where you had the old medieval bow and arrow and you were shooting targets. Then they had all the war machines. You've seen this yourself when mm-hmm. you've gone there. But for the Cub Scouts, it was all activities. So the archery thing was to get your archery badge and yeah, everything right. was engineered for the Cub Scouts when we went there. And that's a real castle. Yeah. So two months later, I'm in Orlando, which is the most unmedieval place on the planet, <laughs> you know, at a fake castle, eating yeah. and watching a jousting competition with a lot of Americans overpronouncing in a very American accent words and booming voice like thespian. Because, of course, the medieval times in the UK were very thespian with booming voices. It, it wasn't like that in history. And these interpretations is what I can imagine Meghan Markle's understanding of the royal family was basically like medieval times. I went there as a kid and, uh, <laughs> you know, we saw some jousting and stuff like that, so I'm totally prepared for it. But in reality, very different.
0: Well, whatever the expectation, realistic or not, I think there's going to be some gap between expectation and reality. It's, it's like a cultural... Um...
1: Well, it's the burden of an international relationship because you've got two people from very different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the Meghan and Harry story as an conventional people, okay? Because we can't relate to living in Buckingham Palace. No mm-hmm. one can. Well, I, I was going to say, it's, like,
0: it's kind of like culture shock. That was what,
1: what I meant. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but I think it's a bit beyond that. For example, Meghan would have probably toured the UK for work yeah. when she was promoting Suits. That's what she used to do, by the way. She used to sell uh, men's attire. No. Yeah, she worked on suits for years. No, she, she was, was in a show
0: called Suits.
1: She she was showing a lot of suits. <laughs> a lot of suits. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she was a paralegal, which is when they jump in from a helicopter and then they're your lawyer. You know? <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if you're in a high security prison
0: paralegal. and you need
1: a lawyer, you get a paralegal. You're gonna have to drop them in because it's high security And they warrior. meet you in the courtyard, uh-huh. you know, when you're doing yard time. hmm uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a paralegal's all about. So uh uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. So or either that or they represent parrots. I'm not sure. No. Yeah. But I've never seen suits. I I've never haven't. owned one either. <laughs> <laughs> I've never wanted to. Uh anyway, so. Getting back to the topic, I think what you gotta look at Harry and Megan's relationship, and this is to just cause I'm I'm not someone that's gonna do what the press has done and just completely mince her because she's not from the UK. Mm-hmm. In the UK, our press has been horrific to her. And I think in the US, the US's press has been horrific to the royal family. I Mm -hmm. think, you know, it's basically all deflection and they're worse than we are and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's all what it is. But I'm going to do this so that every person around the world can relate to it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: If you are, say, a student at uni and you meet someone who's also a student at uni... And they happen to be from Tanzania. I couldn't even say that. Tanzabah. (laughs) Tanzania. Tanzania is a place, right? Yes. Good. I'm glad I'm not (laughs) Donald Trump in it. Uh, So you're from Tanzania. Mm -hmm. But the other in this relationship is from, say, Brighton. So guy from Brighton meets... Girl from Tanzania, or guy from Tanzania, one Monday. Girl from Brighton meets girl from Tanzania. Whatever you want. What, it's your fantasy. Whatever you <laughs> want to fill it in with. Now, when you're at uni, you've got a common meeting place. Right? It's not a real world setting. Mm. It's just that you both happen to be doing uh, biochemistry. <laughs> and a course on biochemistry. Okay, and I'm... she's your lab partner. Or he's your lab partner. Or well, they're your lab partner. It's very <laughs> conflicting in this day and age. And so as lab partners, you just basically fall in love. Yeah, because you're working together. It makes sense. You're in a, a safe environment to start a relationship. Mm-hmm. At some point, you're going to have to go to Tanzania, and they're going to have to go to Brighton, right? It's just part of the course. So you've left this neutral thing, which is called uni, which mm-hmm. might as well be a medieval castle in Florida. Right? Because it's safe. It's a different it's a, environment. Yeah, it's a safe bubble. There's no real responsibilities, to be honest. It's all safe. It's all protected. Mm. But most relationships, as anyone knows, if it's a uni relationship or even a work base, as soon as it becomes real, as soon as you see your other half's life, yeah. or they see your life, it becomes very much warts and all. No holes barred. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. There's no safety. They have to get on with your family. You have to get on with their family. There's a lot of politics, okay? So you leave and you go to Tanzania. What did I call Tanzibar? Uh, Tarzipan. You go, to, you go to that place, the, uh, the wonderful kingdom of Tarzipan, and the culture is going to be a shock to you. It's going to be nothing like you've ever known, mm-hmm. but you might be absolutely in love with it. Mm-hmm. It might be the best thing you've ever seen. And it changes your entire being and person, and everything that you represent from Brighton, mm-hmm. which sounds horrifically common next to 10 <laughs> tires pound, Uh You might prefer that culture, yeah. or you might think this is rubbish. Everyone lives in, you know, grass houses and they have snakes or pets. i okay? And why are you eating, you know, like uh, whole badgers? Like roast badger. Why are you eating that? That's Ew. weird. Exactly. Why, why have you got a, a, a... Like family meals consist of like cockroaches and badgers. I'm not into this. Whatever it is, this is a whole different, you know, culture.
0: In Tarzapan.
1: In Tarzapan. In the wonderful kingdom of Tarzapan. <laughs> and so obviously when they come to Brighton, mm-hmm. it might be boring. Yeah. Because, you know, they've been raised, you know, spear hunting pygmy elephants. And they, they're not used to like, wow, there's nothing dangerous here. There's a fear. <laughs> the most dangerous thing here is a car. <laughs> and I'm running after that for spear because that's my culture. Whatever I'm saying, you've got to adapt. Yeah. Right? So I, I, this was meant to be the common man equivalent to what Harry and Meghan, and I've gone spear hunting I cars and killing pygmy elephants. So I'm not sure <laughs> what that's about. But what I'm saying is you're culturally going to have to adapt and understand each other's culture. This is a lot different from, say, I come from Newcastle, you come from Devon. Yeah. You know, it's the culture is completely different. There has
0: to be a balance of some sort, whether it's, you know. But it's also a tiered culture
1: because she's mixed race. Yeah. So whatever her mix of races, there's cultures in that too, Mm -hmm. which aren't. Typical of a white American, for example. Mm. Or a black American, for example. They're a hybrid. Yeah. And so you've got a construct here where you might be half Tarzipan and <laughs> half uh, Malacca berry, Okay. Which is another kingdom that no one really knows of. Uh, and so if you're Tarzipan Malacca berry, there's two cultures that you're representing. Okay. And so, say, the guy from Brighton... They from Taizepan Malakaber. Uh I mean that's that's a whole education, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> and you know, you leave the safety of university and you've got to make a lot of allowances. And what you have in an international relationship is one culture is gonna work for both people, it's or, gonna be
0: more dominant.
1: Yeah, like if you're like blindly head over feet in love. And it's all good and you're willing to make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. You might try life out in the Tarza Pan Kingdom <laughs> with Malacca relatives. <laughs> uh you might visit Malacca Berry mm-hmm. uh as a expat Tarza And you know, that might be that might be good for six months, but then it becomes a little bit nuts because you're kind of fed up with hunting things with spear guns and you're missing your Nintendo Switch. And you want to go back to easy old Brighton, right? And then they go back, they're bored for a bit, but the adaptability is easy because, hey, man, you know, at the end of the day, this is kind of like uni. Mm. And I came here in the first place, so I knew boredom would be part of my life. (laughs) Or they're, like, loving the fact that it's less stress because you don't have to kill everything that that tries to eat you at night, you know, so good perks. So the cross-cultural element to this is that there's got to be sacrifice. Yeah. And how that relates to Meghan and Harry is this. (laughs) So, you know, here's a girl that chased the dream of being a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And as anyone knows in California, chasing the celebrity dream. It's basically uh, most sadomasochistic thing you can ever do. (laughs) It's kind of like, right, so I'm going to audition for 30 years of my life and I might get one gig. And it might make me famous, right? But every other edition, I'm just being told how rubbish I am, how I suck, and how, no, we're after something a little different. So this whole thing is an emotional playground. And she, I think, came from, um, I think her father was a producer, right?
0: Uh, So she's a
1: very typical LA. She's a very typical LA person is what I'm saying. Yeah. Megan is. And knowing Los Angeles, and knowing very typical uh, Los Angelians, mm-hmm. who aren't from Tarzapan. Um, Angelinos. Or, or Angelinos. Uh, Angelinos, if you're from New Zealand. <laughs> Los Angelinos.
0: Uh, no, they're just called Angelinos.
1: Whatever. The LAs. Okay. Uh, the West Side, massive. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing a gang symbol, but you can't yeah, tell. he's doing
0: the finger finger. And that's gestures. more like the
1: Japan one. I don't
0: know. That's, that's the a,
1: Japanese one that's is a like double that.
0: victory. That's not a
1: oh, it'd be good if we had cameras on this show because no one <laughs> can see what I'm doing. But basically, <laughs> um basically when Megan was uh very typical LA, right? You're from a world that is so positive and so Completely wrong about culture. That you leave that it's it's an incredible place, Los Angeles. Uh, Even despite all of the negativity that people like Joe Rogan has and thinks it will never survive the COVID situation, I think LA will bounce back harder than ever has because it's such an incredible place to be. It's it's like you can invent, you can reinvent, you can have an adventure every day, and it's pretty safe, right? there's elements that aren't so safe and there's things that you're advised not to do as a tourist like anywhere, but it's an amazing place. If you're working from it, it's very creative hotspot in the world. And so I can see, or rather it's very difficult to see how that adapts to what I can only call the vacuum of Buckingham palace.
0: Mm.
1: All right. So If you're raised and you're watching like, I don't know, Princess Diary or uh, Cinderella, Snow White, and it's all happy and you meet your prince and life is great. Mm. What you don't incorporate in that Disney story is that your life becomes geopolitically head of state (laughs) in a manner with a bunch of people who represent a British culture that is so British culture, no one in Britain really lives like it anymore. Mm. You know, maybe like, Out of the millions of people in the UK, I think there's probably a total of 10,000 people who are hardcore hunters. Mm. Like real statesmen, like tweed jacket, flat cap, go out hunting. I think
0: probably even less.
1: I think 10,000 is a good number. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that might be too low. It might be more like 20,000. There's cultures of it, like Cotswolds, Malverns, Herefords, Gloucestershire ascot it all just this makes
0: stuff. me think of danny the champion of the world
1: well it used to be more commonplace because we had a lot of wildlife here
0: yeah
1: I'm uh, seeing pheasants uh, but and all that. we gave up shooting the hell out of all of our wildlife to build houses in the countryside <laughs> yeah. and it changed the game a bit because we destroyed the environment you know mm. at one point the uk was mostly forest
0: yeah, yeah.
1: the whole thing was like an amazon rainforest no. There was like lions and stuff. No. Because that's, you know, the lions <laughs> live in the forest. Everyone knows that. Uh, Robin Hood. Uh, he, he was from the forest. He was from Nottingham. Sherwood. The... Mm. It was massive, Sherwood Forest was. It was like literally massive. Did he
0: protest against deforestation?
1: No one really knows who he was. The, the big missing thing about Robin Hood is they never played him right. Everyone knows that Robin Hood was like a black chick, for a start. What? She's a black woman, very strong, prominent black woman in Nottingham. Hmm. Fed up of all the men, like the men are just ruining everything by being men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she robbed from the rich. who was just a guy that was really loaded called rich. Richard, <laughs> and she gave to the poor. Who was a guy called Jeremy Poor? <laughs> Jeremy Poor, who she lived ro- down the street. She so she robbed from, from, from rich and, and gave Paul. it to Jeremy Poor. <laughs> Uh, that's the real story. Uh, Because she fancied him and he was from Tarzapan. So, yeah, that's the real story. So what I'm saying is the royal family represents this, they're like the gatekeepers of the British culture. Mm, Yeah. And I'm going to say this without any issue whatsoever. I love our queen and the monarchy 100%. They're amazing. The people around them, the advisors, not so much. Mm. It's like any institution; you've always got people with agenda, and they've got like some kind of weird. They have very frigid people mm. working because it's very. It's like working silver services waiter.
0: It's like the administration.
1: The queen, around them. the queen, and the royal family are people I think are very, very relatable, albeit their hobbies are in that kind of. 20,000 people in the UK Mm -hmm. and every one of us doesn't do what they do. The hunting cultures, the extreme Britishness, the polo and the... I was going to say polio? They don't play polio. (laughs) What's that? Polo and croquet. Croquet and, you know, lawn (laughs) parties in the Pride and Prejudice era. Yeah. The British culture is that. Mm. That's what we were pretty much once. Um, Shakespeare and times and the such. But... Now we've ultra-modernized, mm. and the royal family is arguably left back into tradition. They have to represent, they're the gatekeepers of it. Mm. She's the head of the church, Church of England, mm. you know, which a lot of people don't understand. That makes our queen a monarch and a pope, essentially. So she's a double job. She's the head of state, and she's the head of the military, and she's the head of the church. Queen-pope. Yeah, queen-pope. <laughs> Popesy-queen. <the> <laughs> And so it's an important job, head of the Commonwealth. She's made that a thing. Mm -hmm. And so what people have to understand is what Meghan was actually injected into, essentially, started off as a meeting with the family, like Mm -hmm. any other family, because I do think our monarchy is quite standard British family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, meaning, extremely uh, surprised when you bring someone ethnic, because I've never <laughs> seen them. You're an alien. Yeah. You might as well be. This is my green blob. His called Frank. Mm-hmm. From Jamaica. Mm-hmm. All right, green blob called Frank. Never seen a green blob. What makes you green? You know. Yeah. But if you if you want the experience, go to somewhere like Hong Kong, with a black friend, mm-hmm. and see the reactions. Mm-hmm. It's not racism. It's total curiosity. Yeah. Go to India. Go somewhere off the beaten track in a, like a, a kind of village way north of Goa, for example, or Calcutta or something like this. A boonie village, one that you've never heard of, that doesn't get a lot of traffic from Europeans and see the reaction. Go to Inner Mongolia and see how they react to you. Because when someone is presented with something they do not understand for the first time, the vibe isn't racism, it's curiosity. mm mm-hmm. And the problem with the queen is she's surrounded by heads in her advisory cabinet, which is a huge control. By the way, the staff in the, in Buckingham Palace—they're controlling optics. They're controlling her public opinion, public image, her image, yeah. rhetoric, the estate as well. All of the all of the stuff that she secretly does that we we can't know about because she's the head of state. You know, she has like weekly hip-hop meetings oh, she she, uh, she does a lot of hobbies. drive-by training she gave up on like pigeon shooting clay pigeon and she now gets like an AK-47 and just drives around in a Humvee <laughs> and blasts stuff in the garden right uh, she does temping bowling she with likes her, her upgrades she, uh, she, she's uh, she's known for doing laser tag quite a lot mm. and she's got an electric scooter that she goes around does That's, she? yeah mm. she drives a Tesla up the wall because it's that big in the car. <laughs> Uh, basically, our queen's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay? She's great. She's well you just not know about it. She's well into punk rock music. Everyone knows it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she's massively into West Coast gangster rap in the 80s. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. A lot of people don't know that. And so what we see is a very stoic character. Mm. I would liken the queen to a wrestler... Like the Undertaker, who had to hold Kayfabe, character fabrication, all of his career to keep the mystery behind the character. The Queen is the same thing, Hmm. the same pressure. She doesn't want to break the character because if she does that once, it's ruined it forever. Hmm. So if she suddenly speaks like she normally, like, and it, mate, like, oh, it's going to do some right right radical stuff for the military, right? That's how the Queen (laughs) really speaks, okay? (laughs) But she can't do oh.
0: she's not a chav.
1: How do you know? <laughs> no one knows, right? Oh give it massive. Knows. Give it massive in a Buckingham <laughs> Palace, isn't it? Right? So we don't know.
0: Mm.
1: Megan obviously loved though, because when she first met, they were talking about Sneak Doggy Dog and all of the uh, stuff that Megan grew up listening to, obviously. <laughs> like, oh man, West Side, they're so massive, no. isn't it? And they were really close, right?
0: They do get along, But yes. then the
1: cameras kick on, she turns into a queen, yeah. mm-hmm. which is, you know, she does turn, it's transformation, like <laughs> Superman. She, <laughs> she runs the into the nearest phone box, in spins the world. around really quickly and she's dressed as a queen. No <laughs> one knows that, right? So, the whole argument here is, it started off probably living up to the expectation of being part of the royal family. The cameras kick on and grandma suddenly is someone you got a curtsy to because if you don't, you'll probably be tried a treason and shot Mm. you know it's it's such an extreme environment and it's interesting because like one of the things i took from the whole thing and not going into the the crux of the interview but one thing i took from it is that out of all of the life story of the monarchy in my lifetime many generations before me who have only had one queen Mm. that's how long she's been running yep Basically, in her reign has been 67 years. And so one thing I'll say is that she has suffered through sacrifice more than anyone who's complained about the sacrifices they have to make to be in a royal family. And I'm including Diana in that, Princess Diana, mm. because Princess Diana had a life before she married Charles. And it's really the fact that you have a life before you marry into it that makes you unable to handle it, I think. Because you can always reflect, I used to have the freedom of skipping through the hills. And now if I do that, there's 27 bodyguards, a sniper unit, and the entire world's press are watching me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? We're talking a difference in this. This isn't just celebrity. This is a whole different thing. This is almost um, uh, an heirloom. Mm. Celebrity. This is like uh it's a different category. Very mm. few people get to this category of, of fame. Michael Jackson probably did. Yeah. You know, right? Uh it's really dynasty. Your life can never be the same after this. And for Megan marin into that, essentially living in the middle of that from a girl from California, it's unrelatable. Like it's like going back to the common thing, if your other half you know that they've got, like, basically you meet them at university and they say, oh, you, you know, you don't want to come back and see my family because it'll freak you out. Mm-hmm. And then you turn around and they're a warlord, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you meet in your father-in-law or something for the first time and he's surrounded by armed guards. You can't relate to that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's literally a Sasha Baron Cohen movie that's yet to be <laughs> written, right? So I can understand when she got back to America... It's not unlike having a bad experience when you go abroad and then you come back and tell your family about it. Mm. Like, you wouldn't believe the kind of crazy stuff I've had to endure. And now she's got all of her freedoms back, essentially, in her head. Mm. It separates her from the, um, the kind of institution of the royal family being back in California.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: So she still doesn't know the weight she carries saying what she said back in the UK. Yeah. It's big time, right? So she's almost ironically doing what she's been guilty of in the UK, I suppose, by breaking little laws and rules of the royal family. Like, oh, she forgot to curtsy. Oh, she gave the queen a hug. What an amateur. And the press here are really stupid because mm-hmm. they're just seeing she's foreign. She's not from here. Yeah. They're sounding it like this. Whereas I'm just going to say this. The best thing for the royal family is Meghan and Harry Mm -hmm. in a simple reason that this is the first time a royal family's had a literal American connection. And it's an incredible thing for for both nations. I liken it to when China founded Japan because for years it was just an extension of the Chinese royal family, the emperor. So my daughter sent off, marry someone in Japan. It's like a cross dynasty thing. Mm. Like the Mongolians did it with China too. Yeah. And then eventually they're like, oh, we'll give you Japan now. That'll be our wedding gift to you. And you can set up your own monarchy and your own system and stuff like this. Maybe that's going to happen in L.A., which would be amazing because, Harry, if you're listening, I've been going to L.A. for years. I think I should be knighted and become a duke of uh, Venice Beach. (laughs) So if you're there and you ever become an extended royal family of Los Angeles, Mm because they will go independent. We all know it. California needs independence. It's a
0: new TV series, American Princess.
1: That's really lame. <laughs> That's like the real princess of America done by the real housewives of America's staff agent. No, you need it. It's got to be more juicy than that, you okay. know? When Harry met Meghan. Uh... Right? Or my secret life as the grandson of the greatest hip hop artist this world has ever known <laughs> Queen Elizabeth II. It means she's a sequel. You can't get more gangster rap than that. Mm -hmm. She's got numbers after her name. (laughs) Every gangster wants that. Anyway, so we're all looking at this like it's like this huge, um, turbulent, transatlantic problem, but we've got it all wrong. The rule is the press are ridiculous because they've missed a massive opportunity. And people like Piers Morgan, who just walks off set because he's fed up of having to justify why he literally hates Meghan Markle. Like, that's just bad journalism. He's a bad journalist, 100%. I'd like to say, as a British person, I watched that whole interview. I didn't feel like they shamed the royal family once. I felt that Meghan was very typical of someone that had tried to do all of the cultural shock the cultural understanding of another culture being an international relationship. She's mm-hmm. tried it. She can't do it. She's failed at it in herself. It made her miserable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's just got her identity back. She's got her freedom and liberty back. Yeah. In the meantime, she's saved Prince Harry's life from having to constantly justify an American in a court.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, oh, everyone's going to blame Megan for everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you hear that smashed plate earlier? That was Megan because she gave the waiter a look. It's all ludicrous. The fact that there's these accusations of bullying, and forget all of that. It doesn't matter, right? Anna thinks she's guilty of being Californian in, uh, in Buckingham Palace. Mm. The expectation of etiquette is a different level. I liken it to being a guy that works on the desk at McDonald's one day. Greeting customers. And then the next day, just for a laugh, you work at a five Michelin star restaurant without any experience. Mm. Mm. That's what it's like. Yeah. In the etiquette levels, it's not real world. Michelin star restaurants aren't real world. You know, oh, I've got this um, lovely mussel soup and I've put this, I don't know. Fun. Aroma of seaweed and obnoxious <laughs> cinnamon, and it's all there, and you stick your head in it and stiff it all up and, and it's then when all you in eat it and... when you eat your mussel soup, you'll notice that it's solidified into a brick of i don't know several layered sponge cake it's like that's not real world, that's fantasy world that's yeah. alchemy and craziness
0: yeah
1: so the the monarchy is alchemy and craziness it's a whole different <laughs> take on England
0: yeah it's not a English breakfast. It's
1: kind of like the dictionary definition of the fantasy of Pride and Prejudice. If you read Pride and Prejudice and think, oh, isn't it charming and so quaint? If you're actually a woman in that period of time, you would have hated life because mm. you've been objectified. It was the first real nod to a feminist movement, that mm-hmm. book. Um, the royal family is still full of the same kind of etiquette. And that's, that's like 300 years ago or something ridiculous. But it's only to gatekeep all of our traditions. Without it, we wouldn't have any identity whatsoever. Because high tea would be a passé thing. High tea would actually be a whole bunch of hot dogs, miniaturised, and a bunch of burgers at the top. Because that's what most of us would prefer to eat. Not having your Crescent salmon sandwiches. This is ridiculous. I want pizza cucumber you know.
0: sandwiches do you
1: know what i'm saying like the tradition <laughs> dies that, that's yeah. already happening in the uk yeah, yeah you'll go to high tea at some places and it literally is like a mini uh, pizza and you know yeah. it's all kind modernized. of modernized yeah <laughs> here's your donut <laughs> you can have that yeah so i think people have to have the context and most people do and i think most people don't even care and didn't even watch it but I think that... It's just gossip. I think it's an incredible thing. I think it's a real honour to be uh, ahead of the curve and being the first British guy to ever step foot in California. <coughs> Lies. Um, when I was in California the first time, no one knew anything about England, really. We hadn't saturated the entire industry at that point. There'd been a gap. Because mm. what a lot of Americans don't realise in California is that The industry of the UK film industry and the US film industry was very rich rivals at one point. Yeah. And then it all all (laughs) interlocked. But this is the funniest thing because I've heard people, um, my experience of California being an actor and stuff, I had people, um, usually in the lower tier of acting, and I don't mind saying that, criticizing me for taking their jobs away from them because I'm English. And all of you English guys are here, Nick, and you're stealing all our jobs, man. You're stealing all our jobs. You're an
0: immigrant, right?
1: Yeah, I was an immigrant. They can't (laughs) handle that anymore, ironically. They were Filipino, but so the point is, you know, the the concept is like, you don't understand really that Hollywood became such a mega powerful thing that it it just sucked every industry into it. Mm. And now it's the alpha, it's the mecca of film, right? And so it's really intriguing to me that our monarchy has a branch set up in California. Yeah. <laughs> and Santa Barbara is a place to do it. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. It really is actually probably the, the, the most likely place in California to actually put a the royal family. Mm. And I think there's so many opportunities. Imagine, imagine a season that they do on Netflix with Harry, like a reality TV show, almost like the Kardashians. Imagine this, right? Mm. So Harry and Meg, uh, and basically they're living in Santa Barbara, and then Will turns up, and he's the king of England at this point. <laughs> and yeah, he's got a summer holiday escape to California, and he gets to hang out with Harry, brothers, you yeah. know? And he's, and Harry's showing him, that, oh, William, he wouldn't believe the uh, volleyball they're playing on the beach. It's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. You should watch. You know, you can't see it. They're not even wearing any clothes, right? And William's like, what, really? They're not wearing six pounds of swimming costume like we all have to in case there's paparazzi? No. They don't (laughs) care about that. In fact, they want the paparazzi there because they get exploitation. They might get an acting role, right? (laughs) And you've got this, you know, the summer holiday that Will comes out and Mm -hmm. it it would be real Prince William. He wouldn't have to conform with the royal stuff. Yeah. That's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously the Queen can release her a hip-hop album mm-hmm. freely. <laughs> but that's what people are missing. They're focused on all this negative stuff about, oh, she did this and they did that and she's a bully and is a racist and whatever. It's, it's, you're losing the point. We have legitimately the Fresh Prince of Air. Mm. Only it's Santa Barbara. Right. He's, he's not Will Smith, Barb. and that's how it is. <laughs> but I'm just, like, Prince Harry, as a human being, is legitimately going to do something so powerful for the royal family mm. that we should totally embrace it. Exciting he represents. Times. He represents us in a very modern way. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So, if any of you out there, and you're in an international relationship, and you're chuckling, and you know the pain, and you're... Understand how pathetic it is to, uh, to uh, you know, go on public and talk to Oprah as a whistleblower of the culture that you've just witnessed that's so alien to you. Just imagine, if you will, if this was an alien story and an intergalactic person had come down <laughs> and got into a relationship with one of us, that would be a culture shock. Mm-hmm. You know, I come from 7,000 light years away and, uh, you know, it took me three generations to get here. What we got to see is difference is a good thing. Mm. I just think it's a really important relationship. And I think that we're all missing that. We're missing all the good stuff that could come from this. It's kind of like when Steven Gerrard went to LA Galaxy for me. Because mm. he's my king, obviously. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's he's, he's out there. And it's like, you know, no one knows me here because I'm not that famous. In uh, Los Angeles, you know, not, not, not like celebrity like David Beckham was, because, you know, he, he's got a face. I don't oh, have a face. a face. And then it's so all came to LA, and it's really interesting because in Liverpool, I'm, I'm a celebrity. You know, there's always journalists on the, on the door, and that. But here, no one cares. <laughs> um, it's like that for Harry. Mm. So Harry's just had freedom, and as a British public, Considering what his mother went through, what his brother's gone through Mm. and still will go through, being in line to the throne, we should celebrate Harry because he gets freedom and he can do so much as an ambassador for this country that actually educates Californians to what England is. So we don't have, all right, governor, as our standard British accent. You're right. You going down to play cricket tonight, and that's you, Bill Burr. And yes, I can do American accent. And I challenge you, mate. I challenge you anyway. That's for me. We'll see you all in two weeks. Hope this has been fun. And uh, anyone who wants to embrace international culture, please do. Mix with your international friends. The future is coming. The lockdown's going to lift.
0: We're going to travel. It's going
1: to be amazing times, folks. To so celebrate the absolute genius of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, and mostly the wonder that is our monarchy. It's a fantastic, fantastic institution, despite the frigid advisors, who should probably be more chilled. And if you have any issues with it, just think of the Queen as the Undertaker. She's keeping character. She's holding true to character. But behind it, she's an incredible, incredible woman of sacrifice. And if you ever need a... True feminist hero, it's our queen, and I really mean that. Uh, yeah, we'll be back in two weeks. I don't know what will happen, but all of you guys take care, and hopefully, we'll be a bit more free next time we speak to you. We'll have a bit more liberty. It'll be Easter, might be Easter. I'll pretty much be bathing in chocolate. Take care, everyone. See you in two weeks.